Welcome to the Kingdom Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Tim Arroyo. For more great content, visit klcmain.com. All right, well, uh, if you want, you can turn in your Bible to Ephesians 4. I, um, the last time I was up here to preach, I didn't. I don't know if you guys remember that. We just thought we'd ought to just keep worshiping and singing. And I don't know, the Lord must have not thought my message was very good. So he's like, we're just going to keep this going. This, you know, this, I'm just kidding. That's not how I really feel. But um, it was funny. I, I, I preached like a condensed version of my message uh, in the 9 a.m. service that Sunday. And uh, so I preached a different message this morning than the one I'm preaching to you now. Because I felt like the Lord was like, there's some things that we got to talk about today. Okay. So this is going to be kind of another one of those slightly expositional mornings. I'm looking at a really specific portion of scripture, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, and we're just going to see what those verses might say to us. Yeah? Anyone else just like stoked on the word of God? Just like, it just sets me on fire. Like it's, I'm telling you, I can be in whatever kind of day I'm in. And the moment I crack open that Bible, not just to get data or punch in my time clock, but the moment I crack that thing open and I search for him, I just explode on the inside. And I'll say it again. Uh, like I've said other times, it is a not secret hope that you experience that as we unfold just the word of God and the meaning uh, and the depth in what God is trying to communicate through his word, that as you feel your heart burn, that you would remember that feeling and that you would search after it between services, that you would search after that burning sensation in your heart as you open and study the word of God. Amen? God's doing some stuff in this room. I can just feel it, and I love it. I'm going to read these scriptures, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. You ready? I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, I feel like these, this scripture, and, and really my hope is that this message is a plumb line for us on walking out the corporate calling that is laid on us as a part of this church. That moving ahead into what God has called us to this moment would be a moment where we look back and we see a little bit of an instruction manual on how to make sure this goes well. Yeah? Are you with me or are you just like contemplative? What's the vibe? Contemplative. I'm contemplative. Okay, good. I just need to know. I just want to know so I know what to do. Here's the thing. If there's one thing I know for sure about the devil is that he hates unity. He hates it. And he is actively working, even now in this room, which I don't try to focus on the devil much, just enough to pull the trigger. Bam. <laughs> actively trying to sow uh, disunity among God's people. Every Sunday morning we gather and God, his heart is to unify his bride. And every Sunday we gather, the enemy is hoping to create distance and separation between his people. 
actively trying to lie to you, to get you isolated and disunified with the people around you. What a jerk. (laughs) Not cool, devil. Anybody like experience that in their life? (laughs) Being the person that is struggling with unity or seeing a group of people struggle with unity? What I love about these scriptures is that Paul is offering a prescription for disunity. And he's calling us to the highest levels of unity. Not just everybody does and thinks the same thing, but this is another kind of unity. So what we're going to do in these verses, we're going to start actually in verse three and kind of work our way back. Is that cool? Oh, this is going to be good. (laughs) Let's go. I want to talk about, because this is the idea that we're going for. This is what we're reaching for. This is what Paul is calling us to. This is the thing that we're, the worthiness of our calling leads us to this. It's unity of the spirit. Now, what does that mean? This is a classic verse where you just read it and you're like, yeah, cool, dude, that's sick. But you don't really know what it means. (laughs) Unity of the spirit. Now, this word for unity is only used in two places. It's both in Ephesians. Once where he talks about the unity of the spirit here, and another verse later on where he talks about unity in the faith. And this word, you're going to see me reading a lot because I really want to make sure I I say what God's word says. Is oneness, this unity. Ready for this? This is insane. God produced unity or oneness between believers. Listen to this. The harmony that comes, the harmony that's created from sharing likeness of nature with the Lord. Unity that comes when everybody is as they should be with God. That's pretty cool. It is unity of the spirit. The spirit is the breath, the wind of God. It's his presence and his movement being the unifying factor among a group of people. Now, here's the thing. This is not saying unity in the spirit. This is unity of the spirit. Now, that might seem like a small distinction, but to me, friends, that's very different. You know, when I say unity in the spirit, like, man, we had unity in the spirit this morning. That's what I saw in worship where we all collectively said, God, we see what you're doing and we're going to jump into it, right? God is doing something. There's unity in the spirit in a moment in worship and in prayer and in intercession. It's like that agreement, that yes and amen from a moment. We're going into something, right? But unity of the spirit is when God is doing something and it's actually long-term happening inside of me. It's of the spirit. We are all collectively of what the spirit of God is doing in the earth. It's not a momentary, oh, look at what he's doing. I'm going to jump in and agree with it. This is a God-centered unity that comes from identity when what the Holy Spirit is doing is so active and engaged among a group of people, it creates oneness. In short, it's everybody being who they were created to be, doing what they were created to do. 
I mean, I feel like I saw, sat and thought about this like, man, I don't know. With all that I've seen, all that I've heard of, I don't know if I've ever seen or heard of that happening before. True unity of the Spirit, where we come into an environment, we're not just seeing an outpouring and we're not just seeing signs and wonders, but on every level of our lives, bigger than church services, we're seeing a family standing in who they are, doing collectively what we're called to do on the highest levels. This is what Paul is exhorting us to find. Here's what I love about the Bible and about God, is that he never asks you to do something that you cannot accomplish. He never asks you to fulfill a command that he has not equipped you to fulfill. Yeah, buddy. You realize that you are handcrafted to live in unity spiritually with your church family, with your family family, with the believers that you're around. It is like so anti, just like the main spirit, like independent. Nobody tells me what to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do what I want when I want to. I just got a wow from, from my Mainer accent. You're welcome. Thank you. I've been working on it for years. It, it's just so anti this idea that I can somehow independently live my life and fulfill the call of Jesus on me as an individual. It doesn't happen, not by these standards of scripture, unless you're actually a part of a larger system, ecosystem of just like Christ-centered, unified living and community. You can't do it on your own. How many of you know, like, this would probably all be a lot easier if we didn't have to do it with people? <laughs> Living for Jesus would be so easy if there's no one else. It was just me and him. Sorry I exist. I don't know. Sorry I'm also on this earth with you. Which, you know. <laughs> but that's not the way he designed it. It's not good for man to be alone. And so how do we maintain something as grandiose and it almost sounds too good to be true, this idea of authentic unity in the spirit? How do you actually maintain, create and maintain? What holds that together? The bond of peace. What does it say? It says, it says endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in what? In the bond of of peace. What is a bond? It's like a glue. It's a nail. It's a bonding agent. It's in the same way that a house is held together by the bond of nails and screws and other adhesives I probably don't know about. <laughs> the unity of the spirit is held together by peace. Corporate peace. Corporate peace. Not just you individually in your own island having peace in your life. That's beautiful. But when a community of people experiences corporate peace, we are all individual pieces of a house that's meant to hold the unity of the spirit. 
Each one of you are shaped to work in partnership with the other. You're like puzzle pieces that God has put together in this place. I just think that's great. You fit together so well. Oh, some of you didn't like that. I'll say it again. You fit together with the ones around you so well. And it has nothing to do with your natural personality. It has everything to do with who you're called to run with. Me and my best friend, Jamie Dixon, maybe you know him, are like, personality-wise, oil and water. If you've been around us long enough, you've probably seen us fight in public at some point. Can I get an amen from the worship team or whoever? (laughs) That's my best friend. It's because we're called to run together. It's because it just so happens to be that a part of my prophetic promise is like covenantally tied to his life. I did not decide that. God did. Oh, I just did that DJ Khaled thing. That's funny. Sorry. Pop culture, subculture reference. And because of that decision from the Lord, the grace for me and Jamie to go from two people that could not be any more different to this like thing that works in the context of unity, he's somebody that can say, I've got unity of the spirit with this guy. And what God is doing is not just a moment of agreement, but I actually have a lifetime of agreement with him. That's like 20 years long now. And it's producing fruit. I mean, I mean, just even the partnership of what he's helped produce in my life of leadership and worship. And hey, thanks so much for giving to the album, by the way. Come on. Thank Come you. On. I, di- I didn't get a chance to say thank you. Thank you so much. We're still, we're still on our way to the 15,000, but we love you. Thank you. Sorry. Just wanted to say that. Love you guys so much. You're insane. Um, but th- there's a grace beyond my personality, beyond his personality, beyond my authentic shortcomings and weaknesses. But when I've said yes to engage in the mission of God, the mission of unity of the spirit, it's made up for all that. Because me and Jamie, we're just a good example because we're just people that just don't naturally, you know, we're not, it's an oddly shaped puzzle pieces that somehow the Lord had the fashion to make work, but it's through intentionality. And through that intentionality, there's a bond of peace between us. And there's a bond of peace between me and all the people that I'm called to run with that actually is important to preserve. Because without that bond of peace, this unity of the spirit falls apart. It can't house the unity of the spirit. You can't house it without peace. So what is peace in this context? It means tranquility. This is kind of intense, but I love it. Exemption from the rage and havoc of war. Ever feel like that in your relationships? See heads nodding in the spirit. (laughs) An environment where harmony prevails with peace of mind. It also means security, safety, prosperity internally. Just like a business could prosper internally, you are prospering in your community. 
In this context, it's a group of people that when they get together, when you are around this group of people, the presiding overall experience is a sense of it is well with me. It is well with us. We've all experienced environments where there's not peace, where there's anxiety. How hard is it to try to walk out unity of the spirit where there's no peace? Because we have a people problem, we have a presence problem. Most movements of revival and awakening, they don't fizzle out because they stopped praying, because there wasn't enough money, because they stopped meeting together enough. It's usually because people got weird. And relationships got broken. And the bond of peace got weakened. And there was no longer unity of the spirit. You know where this really happens? Is between generations. I feel like the Lord really wanted me to specifically highlight what would it be like to have a community that experiences intergenerational bonds of peace together? If we're going to be a community that's in step with what God is doing, then we need to see the hearts of the younger generation and the older generation turn towards each other. Why do I say that? Malachi 4, 5 and 6 says, I will send you the spirit of Elijah, the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, it says later in the, in, in the gospel is that John the Baptist was the spirit of Elijah, but also the spirit of Elijah is coming. And it says this, and that he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Elijah was a prophet who was one of the few, maybe the only guy that we saw actually take what was on his life and pass like a double portion onto the generation behind him. And so, and that wasn't something that happened just because of Elijah. It also happened because of Elisha. It was who they collectively were creating an agreement that caused revival and anointing to actually double over into the next generation. So here's what I want to tell you. If we don't see a young generation champion, honor, and fight for connection with the older generation, we're missing it. And if we don't see an older generation champion, honor, and seek after a younger generation, we're missing it. Friends, I want our kids to move this beyond anywhere that we could ever take it while we're on the earth. Y'all know at a certain point you're going to be off this planet with Jesus, right? Man, I have such a longing to see something that is so rare. You see all over scripture, good men and women that had wicked sons. Samuel, godly prophet, had wicked sons. Eli had wicked sons. Intergenerational inheritance released through a bond of peace. Unity of the spirit that we're talking about that is strong enough that your kids can carry it into their generation. Friends, that's not going to happen on accident. Young people, y'all need to be serious about finding moms and dads to get into your life. You need to be the type of person that when an Elijah comes along, you have capacity on your life to take on what they're carrying, to honor them, and to walk out in a later day. 
Moms and dads in this room, y'all need to get over your insecurities and find some young people like us and mentor us. Get over who you feel like you're not and be who we need you to be in a generation. Right? Let's create peace between generations for the sake of the unity of the spirit. We all right? Christian, am I on? We on it? Come on, thumbs up from Christian. Man, this is on God's heart. The spirit of Elijah in the end days. God released the spirit of Elijah in this place. So how do we create the bond of peace? You ready? It's simple. With all lowliness, gentleness, and with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Oh, oh, I'm going to cry. Okay, lowliness. Lowliness or humility is an inside-out virtue produced by comparing ourselves to the Lord rather than to others. (laughs) I'm going to say that again. Lowliness or humility is an inside-out virtue produced by comparing ourselves to the Lord rather than to others. This brings our behavior into alignment with an inner revelation that keeps ourselves from being self-exalting. This thing of comparison with others it's, it's not just that you walk into a room and you think you're like the bee's knees. You realize you can compare yourself way lower on the totem pole to the people around you. It's something that we have to talk about in the world of worship where you've got a, a lot of different people with different sounds. We all sound differently in worship. We all sound differently. Our anointings are different. Our style of playing is different. And you know, do people like what I do? Do they not? It's a classic artist thing. But something we have to take real seriously in our world is that comparison kills. Because there's winners and losers in comparison. Someone comes out on top and someone comes out on bottom almost every time. Even the word where it says, judge not lest you be judged, that language isn't actually like, hey, don't look down from your high tower and look down on other people. That word to judge means to divide and analyze. Don't spend all your time comparing yourself to the people around you. So what do we replace comparison with? Celebration. I don't compare myself to anyone but God himself. And that keeps me kind of humble, you know, because he's really great. (laughs) And he's absolutely perfect. And and, and I'm always in a state of, of humility, seeking to be more like him. But it's not this like put down from God. It's just the way it is. And it stokes me up because I still get to live in his house and go after his heart. But when I get around other people, friends, it's all about celebration. Different strokes for different folks. One body, different parts. <laughs> Lowliness is in essence saying that wherever I go, everybody gets a seat at my table. In family, there's no heroes, there's no villains, there's just siblings. It's just family.
But it's an inside out virtue that has to come from present centeredness, spirit ledness. Then we have the word gentleness. Oh, God, help me with this. Which is also derived from a root meaning that it emphasizes divine origin. Friends, gentleness is a fruit of the spirit. Meekness or gentle strength, which expresses power with reserve and gentleness. We say it again, it expresses power with reserve or gentleness. It begins with the Lord's inspiration and finishes by his direction and empowerment. I love this word. It's a divinely balanced virtue that can only operate through faith. Let me give you another scripture to give some clarity on gentleness. This is verse Timothy 2, 24. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. Help me, God. Help me, Lord. <laughs> Jesus, I lay my life at the altar. <laughs> but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged. Help me, God. Help me. Uh, you ever just get slapped? By the word. Patient when wronged with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. I mean, gentleness, that is so, I mean, for lack of better words, gentle, that it actually leaves room. It says, if perhaps God may grant, like literally, my, my conflict, my gentleness, my correction is so gentle that I've actually left space for you to leave this encounter with me and not actually be corrected in your behavior. Perhaps God may grant them repentance. You see, what gentleness does is it puts people in a place where if we have a conflict, if you've wronged me or something like that, you are not correcting your behavior because of my punishment. You're correcting your behavior because in gentleness, I've brought something to you. And because it was gentle, you had ears to hear it. And it puts you in a position to seek the Lord. And from your own seeking the Lord, you got repentance from him, not from me. I think of a story, I told this, uh, if you were in the room when I first gave this message, you heard the story, but somebody I know was in a, a big financial thing uh, with somebody, and they had just been wrong, just like straight up, like they did the right thing, the other person did the wrong thing, and they were demanding money from them to fix this thing that they had broken. Thousands of dollars, mind you. And this person was just being so silly, person over here, being a real jerk, demanding all this money, person over here did nothing wrong but is literally in this conversation talking to me like, I think I'm just gonna, you know what? I just feel like the Lord is saying I just need to be like gentle and just be willing to put up this like thousands of dollars to overcome this issue so that like just in gentleness, spirit-led gentleness. I was like, are you crazy? That's an injustice. I said some other words. Forget that guy. You don't have to do that. You have every right to not worry about that person. They are wrong. You are right. Give up no ground. God, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. And this person, because just like it says, this is a spirit-led, spirit-birthed attribute of Christ. It's like, no, I feel the Lord saying I need to go this route. And the act 
of being willing to pay what this person did totally diffused the situation and it all ended up fine and it preserved connection. Peace reestablished, the bond strengthened, unity of the spirit now accessible. Anybody need that grace? God, help me with that. Gentleness. Don't you see how corporately walking out lowliness, not comparing myself, walking out gentleness, not coming at you with this, the fullness of what I'm titled to in conflict and rebuke, but actually coming at it from a place of desiring connection and desiring you to have your moment with God to fix this. Whew, I feel the peace already. And the last thing they say is bearing one another in love. This is my favorite one. This word for bearing means completing a process properly. Still bearing up even after going through the needed sequence. In a sense, they're saying, you know what? We've been around this mountain before. We've done the necessary things, but I'm actually going to continue to be here in love, bearing one another in love. That word love is the classic word a lot of us know as agape. It's the divine, sacrificial love that God exists in. No greater love has anyone than this, that they would lay down their life for their friends. It's the place where there's so much fiery, God-centered love that you literally view your life. It's not in a dysfunctional way. It's just how Jesus offered his life unto death for others. That's tough to preach in boundaries culture. He loved not his life unto death. (laughs) Wow, that went over like a lead pigeon. I'm not trying to go after your boundaries. I'm just trying to preach the truth. Jesus loved his life unto death. And this idea of bearing one another in love is saying, in short, because I have caught God's divine love for you and you for me, we hold each other up. And the process is needed for God to finish the work he began in us for as long as it takes. And they do this in humility and in gentleness. As long as it takes, we hold each other up. We support each other. We're present in each other's lives. We're bearing with one another in love. Long term. Friends, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part, things are going to get crazy around here. We're going to have a house of prayer. We're about to have some crazy conference, and it's just going to get silly. There's going to be more services, I'm sure, where it's like the services mush into each other, and then we go all day, and it mushes into the night service, and we're going to have meetings after meetings, and moments after moments, and boy, is it going to get high octane around here. I believe that, and you're all going to be a part of it. It's going to be so fun. But in the midst of whatever movement God is birthing here, friends, if we don't fight for a bond of peace that can facilitate the unity of the spirit, we will lose it. So with humility, gentleness, and this long suffering of bearing each other in love, holding each other in the fire of what God's doing, may we move forward as a family to see the supernatural invade the earth. To see a city 
moved upside down for the gospel to see the great commission fulfilled in our patch of land. Why don't you stand with me?